Hey, welcome to the 17th episode of the Create Stuff Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Saxon. Real quick, before we begin, I want to let you guys know I have a Patreon and a Twitter. You should go check both of those out. Links are in the description for the Twitter. I have a Create Stuff official Twitter where you can get announcements for videos and podcasts and stuff like that, as well as guests that are going to be on. And occasionally, I'll go on there and ask people for questions they want me to ask my guests before I actually interview them. So follow if you want to see that. Uh, I also have my personal Twitter account where I just post fun stuff. So, yeah. I also have a Patreon. Your support really helps a lot. Even just a dollar a month makes a really big difference. Um, yeah, this costs money to do, believe it or not, to get new equipment, keep my equipment maintained as it is, um, even just to pay for the RSS feed, uh, the money, you know? Uh, okay, that's all. Be on the lookout for some really cool content coming in the future, and enjoy this episode. It was really fun for me to record. I will say, we had to record this on one audio track over Discord, so there are some audio issues in it due to that, but I don't think it's anything that'll make it unlistenable. So, yeah, hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Create Stuff Podcast. Today, I am joined by Wendy Leon Martin, author of A Castle Swimmer on Webtoon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, actually, before we get into it, uh, can you just tell us who you are exactly? What do you do? What does that, what does anything I just said even mean? <laughs> My name is Wendy, and I make a, uh, an original comic on Webtoon. It is a webcomic on a, uh, Webtoon is a vertical comic scrolling platform that's meant to be uh, read on a phone. And it's a, it's a relatively popular outlet for comics right now. So I work for them as one of their uh, original or featured comics. Right, perfect. So tell me about the comic you make, Castle Swimmer. It is a fantasy comic about mermaids and queer romance. Hell yeah. And it's very fantastical. <laughs> it's basically, uh, it's kind of like a little adventure story too. You have these, uh, these main characters that are mermaids. One is... Um, uh, kind of a, a magical, almost like a Jesus figure, little mm-hmm. mermaid, and his uh, his role is to move around the world and fulfill prophecies for people. Every every castle in the sea kind of has its own prophecy, and he has to play a role in every single one. And the second character is a shark prince, who. His prophet, his people are cursed, and his prophecy is for him to kill the beacon so that it can break the curse on his people. And they they meet, and shenanigans ensue. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And you're on. You're like just at the end of season one right now, right? Uh, season two, I just finished. Ah, that's right, that's right. I have been <laughs> following the entirety of the series. I I loved the conclusion. But God, you left us on a cliffhanger. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. So what inspired you to write Castle Swimmer? Um, I got the first idea from Kingdom Hearts 1 video (laughs) game, the Atlantica section, and just like seeing a young boy as a mermaid with a sword, the idea to make a mermaid comic. So that was the first spark of the idea, and it kind of like grew over time. I think I first had the idea in like uh, either high school or early early college, mm-hmm. and it's just a little idea that's kind of been growing over time. Okay, okay. What would you say makes Castle Swimmer so appealing? Why do you think it got so popular? Hmm. 
It's hard to say. I think I might have just lucked out and a lot of people have the same interests as me. Because <laughs> I was very, I consider it a very self-indulgent story where I'm just kind of like exploring and making the kind of creative story that I want to make that would appeal to me. And I happen to have a lot of the same interests that a lot, a lot of other people <laughs> are open to. Um, and maybe I don't. Maybe it's a little bit, I did try to make it a little bit different than, because uh, I think most mermaid stories, it's the, it's kind of about the, the mermaid world versus the on land human world experience and how that mm-hmm. happens and correlates. But in mine, it's like, you're only in the mermaid worlds and there's, there's no land stuff going on. So it's, I guess it's a little bit different in that, in that aspect. I do actually really enjoy how different it is from most like other mermaid tales. I think that makes it so much more appealing. Do you think it would be uh, the same if uh if it was like just normal humans on land or does does it like need to be underwater? You mean how would the the story go if it had that human land aspect? Yeah, do you think it's like do you think it's vital that it's uh, about mermaids or do you think it would be relatively the same if it was on land? You know, when I was thinking about the plot, I kind of wanted to make the uh, the whole mermaid aspect. Like, I feel like it's easy to kind of rely too much on the the gimmick of the surroundings and the lore to like mm-hmm. try to make the story good. I think it I think it was important that my story could kind of hold its own even without the mermaidy stuff. So I think I like to think it could still be a good, interesting story, even if it's took place on on land and there was no uh, no magical mermaid stuff. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> I think if it was on land, it would probably be. I think it'd still be great if it was on land, but I think uh, I think it being underwater, like with with mermaids, just gives it that little unique element that sets it apart from a lot of other webtoons. And also yeah. the art, like the visuals underwater, very, very cool. There's like a lot you can do there that a lot of really cool environments you can draw that normally aren't seen in webcomics, I suppose. I agree. And that's another reason that I wanted to make it underwater is because I, I hate drawing buildings and like mm-hmm. geometric stuff in like proper perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get away with a lot more organic drawing and stuff when I'm doing underwater mermaid kind of stuff. Right, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, how would you describe your art style? Um, well, it's always, it's always changing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my, my recent art looks, if you compare it to season, it looks like it's changed in many aspects, but Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's, I mean, I've called it anime before, and then my readers were like, no. <laughs> so I guess it's, um, I guess it's a mixture of like, anime and Western styles kind of mishmacks a little bit. Uh-huh. Interesting. So what is the process of making an episode of Castle Swimmer like? Like, uh, from inception to creation to uploading it to Webtoon? How does it go? Um, so it usually takes me, I, uh, my comic updates once a week. Mm-hmm. So I have about uh, 50 panels that I do every week for one episode. And it basically like takes the whole week to make. I have it now where I have, I take Saturdays off and that's helped me out a lot. Cause I used to take no days off and it was a miserable experience. <laughs> I can imagine. 
Saturday's my day off. And usually on Sunday, I will kind of draft it out, roughly sketch out the story and the panels and the things that are going to happen in the episodes. Then like the next uh, three days, I'll just do all the line art for all the panels. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining days of the week, I'll do the colors and try to finish it up. I see. I see. Okay. Do how do you feel about like that that deadline about releasing it weekly? How does that affect you and the story in general? Um, deadlines are pretty rough. I think every webtoon artist will will talk about the difficult schedule with webtoon and the strict deadlines. It's good in a sense that um, without that, I don't think I'd ever be this far into the story. Like the way I was updating it before I joined Webtoon was so slow and it made sense because, you know, <laughs> I was working as a waitress and I had, had like a very, I just worked on it when I could and that was like the healthy way to do it. But working with this schedule and finding ways to kind of streamline the process has gotten me so far into the story than I ever thought I would be. Cool, cool. That's interesting. Do you think if you could decide not to have this uh, this deadline, would you? Or do you think it like it's better for you as an artist to have it? It's good to have the structure. I think I would probably just give myself a little bit more time in the week. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Three days or something. Right, right. Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> That's kind of a, just a, a thing with Webtoon, though. I don't think, are there even any series that don't update at least once a week? So there are a series that update twice a week and their their updates are like a smaller panel count. So they'll right, have right. like 20 instead of like 50 or whatever's on their contract. So they update. It's basically the same amount of work, but just releasing differently. Okay, okay. I, I thought so. But there isn't any that are like less than once a week, right? Like uh, Like once every two weeks or anything like that? I'm not sure. Webtoon really likes the the weekly output, so I think most of them go by that. But I could be wrong. There might be a few exceptions. Okay, interesting, interesting. That's just that's just something that just came to mind. I'm a huge fan of Webtoon. I have been for a long time, like um, ever since like before high school, and I'm in college now. I have been reading mm -hmm. these. That's so cool. Yeah. How long have you been a fan of Webtoon? I was not a fan of Webtoon until they offered me a job. <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't really know much about them. I was kind of, they were like the last place I put my comic on, and it was just because I was working on um, kind of more the graphic novel format, so I didn't have everything set up for, for scrolls. And I had done like everything, like the old style webcomic posting. Like I used to have, I tried making my own website on WordPress, and did that for a while with an early comic, and then I was posting on all different social media like Twitter and Tumblr and Tapas. And then on a whim, I just was like, I'll just throw my comic onto Webtoon and, you know, just to get out there a little bit more. And mm -hmm. I think it was up there for like a few months when an editor messaged me and offered me money. <laughs> <laughs> To, uh, to pick up their comic and that was like just a random email I got and it was like my dream job in an email and I was like oh my god oh I can't imagine that must be so cool to get that 
Yeah, because I was I'd been a waitress for like six years and just doing my my art on the sides, and it was just such so life changing. <laughs> oh yeah, one email that changes everything. That's awesome. We'll talk more about Webtoon in just a little bit, though. Real quick, just to make it clear to everybody who's listening who might not be aware of Webtoon. Um, can you explain like how it works for a new creator who isn't actually who doesn't actually have a contract with Webtoon? How they can post it on Webtoon? Post that. Yeah, uh, it's called like Webtoon Canvas. If you're not like a featured, you know, on a contract with Webtoon, it's very similar to YouTube. How on YouTube you can kind of post videos normally, but then YouTube also has their their paid projects with creators where they pay the creator and have like a contract deal to produce content. Right, right. Yeah. Back to talking a little bit more about uh, Castle Swimmer, though. What would you say, what what central pieces of Castle Swimmer matter to you? Like, what about that? What about them is important to you in your life? If that makes Uh, sense at all. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, One thing I really wanted a story with queer characters, because I was a queer kid. Growing up, I didn't have any kind of stories with good queer characters. So I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to really focus on the characters I want to to focus on. And it's weird because when I first made, because I've always known since middle school that I was a queer kid, but when I first made my first comic, I didn't really have any, it it was really silly, I think, (laughs) because I was still in the closet to like my family and stuff. But when I made my first comic, like the characters... In my head, I think they were they're queer, but like I think, like in the story, they were out. So it was like almost like a secret that they were <laughs> queer in this weird. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it was just like some suppressed thing on my part. But like when I, when I'm, you know, making Castle Swimmer, I'm at this point. I'm like, you know, all the characters are queer. It's very comfortable. I don't feel like I have to like subconsciously hide anything with these characters. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's very important to me, and I'm assuming it's very important to you know a lot of a lot of readers who are like me, and also on the in the queer community. Yeah, yeah. I'm not personally, uh, I'm not personally queer myself. However, I think there's a lot to be said about how media from when we were growing up doesn't really feature any like. There's a lot of good role models for like, you know, straight white men. But yeah. <laughs> not really anybody else. And uh, I think I saw somebody say this once, like in an, uh, somebody was saying that classic argument, like video game characters don't need to be queer, you know, that dumb stuff. And somebody responded to someone saying, like, the thing is, a lot of these people don't actually have good role models from media, especially in that time. Like, there's just like, um, like a gay kid just doesn't have anybody they can really look up to in a, in like a, in any form of media that was made for our, our generation, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it's really it's really nice that now we have so many incredible stories about these characters that finally, like, you know, we can. It just helps so much for people to see themselves in our characters and have good role models, like with Castle Swimmer and so many other webtoons too. I think it's a really good platform for that stuff. Yes, I'm really happy and relieved with just the atmosphere of things nowadays compared to when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot better. What would you say makes Castle Swimmer different from other webtoons on the site? Hmm. If anything. I guess the whole, the setting is pretty, I think most 
And I've kind of screwed myself a little bit with my choice of setting because I think <laughs> when webtoons, they can take advantage of more assets that kind of help you uh, make backgrounds quickly because, you know, there's there's a lot of indoor settings and a lot of, like, buildings mm-hmm. with uh, pre-made assets available. And since I decided to make all my stuff underwater, which I thought was, like, helping me because I'm avoiding all those things, but now I have less access to... Uh, <laughs> to uh, tools where I can just kind of make a make a cityscape appear in the background. I have to like figure out, I have to hand draw every like shape and building myself, so. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> I mean, I do have a simplified style and methods so that kind of helps. I kind of focus on color mm-hmm. to try to, I feel like if everything, if all the colors look good together, then it's not a huge deal if you have like a wonky, weird-shaped mountain in the background or something. Yeah, yeah, it's actually something I notice in uh, in Castle Summer a lot. All the colors are really, really nice. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's um, also just such a colorful series. I love that. Yeah. So I do focus a lot on on color, and I think uh, a Lore Olympus does something very similar, where it's very mm-hmm. color focused, and I think it helps to. Um, really give an identity to to the art yeah yeah for sure do you use color theory when you're drawing um i do i actually had to i think when i um was working on my like my second online comic ever which Mm -hmm. was like a little short story and i've like really put effort into learning about color theory and i had my little selection of youtube videos that were like a guide to color theory and i really taught myself what colors look good with other colors Uh Uh so i had to do a little bit of training myself to learn about colors um but i think i've come a long way in that aspect Uh uh-huh uh-huh and something i feel like i've just noticed even just like scrolling through the webtoon on its uh on like the uh, on the app, just looking at the at the little panel, it shows you like as a preview. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see like how you use different. Do you purposely use different colors to like set different settings? Sort of like it looks like. Maybe I'm reading too much into. Okay, okay. Tell me more about that. Um, I That's just really thought cool. it would be fun to uh, if if every well the main thing I wanted to do is I wanted every season to be a different color scheme for like the environment and everything and the the main character kappa he he kind of has these dramatic color shifts depending on his environment which i didn't know that would cause such a stir in my audience but it became (laughs) a very controversial thing really how so i just get thousands of messages especially when season two started he switches, okay, in season one, he's orange. And in season two, the background is purple and he is red. So I just, and there was no, there was no explanation <laughs> as to why he's red because I didn't, I just thought, you know, I, I've changed the colors around so much. So it, you know, I think everybody will understand that, you know, I just like to change the colors sometimes, not just playing around with color schemes. But everybody did not understand that. And I just got a message. <laughs> message of why is Kappa red what does it mean is this is he dying what does this mean for the story <laughs> is he dying <laughs> people thought that I'm like I just thought it would be cool if he was red 
so it's been very fun to play around with the colors, but it did cause a little bit of concern in the readers, I think. <laughs> I can see why. I can see why. <laughs> Another thing I noticed is, uh, especially at the beginning of season two, when Kappa and Siren are... Uh, I should probably say, from here on, there might be minor, very minor spoilers for Castle Swimmer. We won't say, like, too much explicit stuff, but if mm-hmm. you want to read it completely blind, this is probably the point where you should stop listening to this and go do that. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's the final warning I'll give. Because <laughs> I'm about to mildly spoil something, at least. In Season 2, at the part where Kappa and Siren are, like, separated and it's going back and forth between them... Just like mm-hmm. looking through the uh, the panels, I can kind of tell just how completely different like everything in them is colored when it's like Kappa versus Siren. Like uh, yeah. Kappa has all these like blues and oranges in the environment, and like Siren has a lot of purples and like darker reds. Yeah, or you haven't switched there. Kappa's in red. Oh, my Siren. my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I get really confused. I like for before this interview, I literally looked this up so I wouldn't mix it up. And I thought like I this somewhere in my mind, I thought the beacon was actually called the siren and Kappa's name was Beacon. I was like, whoa, what am I doing? I'm so bad with names. <laughs> it's okay. I, I I'm bad with names too. Sometimes I'd like just forget the names of some of my characters. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever actually um actually released an episode with a name wrong? No, but I have had very similar mistakes that I should really know better. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Can I ask? Um, do any of the colors you use on characters have like a symbolic meaning? Um, or maybe not even like a even not symbolic or like they set a theme or a mood with that character. I do. Um, there were reasons why, because uh, the season I kind of like just pick up the color schemes to give everything like a fresh different look but there were like especially in like certain scenes that are especially different like for example in season one um when it takes place in the shark castle and uh kappa's in this dungeon area and it kind of goes back and forth between this bluish kind of cold castle but then when you go into the dungeon, it's like these this warm kind of green earthiness. Yeah. yeah I kind of wanted to show with the character Siren that when he's he's around the pressure of his, his family and his responsibility, it's kind of a cold, harsh environment. But when he's like with with Kappa, it's this warm, comforting environment. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like there, there's so much that can be said about the colors in this series. I like... It's just, it's, there's just so much notable stuff going on. Like, just even how different groups of characters are set apart. Like, how all the, the witches are all have, like, that purple color scheme. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I think that's very cool. I like that a lot. Thank you. I do put a lot of... I feel like whatever time I save myself with my shortcuts, I've made up for with the color choices. <laughs> it actually takes a long time to make all the characters look correct in their environment with all the colors really? and in unison. Interesting. Maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but like one thing also about the underwater environment, I'm not sure if you could really do so much with the colors if it was like on land, right? Because you know, like what if, when you're underwater, we know less about what it actually looks like down there, I guess, you know? Like, it's not like above land where everything, we know what color everything is. The grass is green, the sky is blue. But underwater, it's like everything's 
blue, sort of, but, mm-hmm. like, not really? And I think that just gives you so much more room to play around with, like, what everything looks like. Like, uh, when you're above land, you can still make the sky green if you want to, like, uh, if, you, if you're writing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure or something, but it just comes off a lot more naturally if it's underwater. Yeah, and, like, you know, calling it, like, a fantasy world, I feel like gives you free reign to just do whatever you want. Very true, very true. Do you agree with what I'm saying, or am I am I off? I'm I'm not. I I don't know what I, I'm kind of talking on my ass, honestly. No, I totally agree. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, what other series slash media inspire you, or like whether they whether they specifically inspired Castle Swimmer, or if they just inspire you as an artist in general? Um, a lot of like video games I got really into. Mm-hmm. I feel like I added a lot to certain elements of the story. Like I was really into. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles. Mm-hmm. That was a and Shadow of the Colossus. Aha, uh-huh. Shadow of the Colossus. I would not have expected that. I know it's very it's very different. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, I think I, I like uh, stories with big giant things in them. <laughs> kind of mysterious. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> Do the Shadow of the Colossus kind of inspire the? Um... The, the oh wow it, the name is escaping me like the gods in the series like uh like the crab whose name I cannot remember yeah they're they're mini gods basically demigods but I call them mini gods because that sounds a little bit cuter and different mm-hmm. <laughs> um Feels yeah a little, a little bit I like the I like um I kind of like steampunk element things where there's a little bit of a, a machinery kind of stuff mixed in with um natural elements i always thought that that clash was really cool yeah yeah i agree completely that's a super cool idea um what uh would you say there's any pieces of media or like anything at all that you can specifically draw your art style back to like anything that's inspires your art style um i think uh the art style of like avatar last airbender Mm. really helped me a lot when I was, um, I think you can see it more in like the way I draw eyes and at least some of the faces. I did because um, I think farther into like the second part of season two, there's this very kind of shift. I mean, some readers say they notice it, some some don't. I think it's kind of obvious, but there's this very harsh shift in my art style where things become a little bit detailed and the faces look softer and that was because i started reading a manga called two year eternity oh. and i was so, i just liked the art so much that i just immediately changed my art style <laughs> and so that was kind of jarring for some of the readers i'm sure but i was like i was so i was so inspired reading that that comic that i just immediately changed a lot of aspects of my art mm-hmm. interesting interesting Honestly, um, I can definitely see the Avatar The Last Airbender feel there. I feel like it's it's like that kind of Western, it's like anime, but it's made in in yeah. the West, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a really nice mix of the two. Reminds me a lot of Voltron, honestly. Like, that's the that's immediately the vibe it gave me. Like, the new Voltron. I get that com- comparison a lot. Really? And I did, um, I did... I think the first few seasons of Voltron, I was I was pretty into it. So I wouldn't be surprised if I also picked up, you know, some more direct. I mean, a lot of my readers think that I'm just making a Voltron AU. <laughs> with, 
Lance and Keith from Voltron. I get oh so many God. people that literally think they're those characters and that I'm just making a big Voltron out of you. <laughs> so I definitely, I could see where that um, comparison is made. <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh. I can kind of see the resemblance with Lance and Keith, honestly. That makes a little yeah, bit of sense. Iron's bangs look so similar to Keith's bangs, which I didn't realize at the time. Maybe I would should have gave him different bangs. <laughs> but oh well. <laughs> um, do you have any plans to release Castle Swimmer as a uh, as a graphic novel at any point? Um, there might be some plans in the future. I can't say anything for sure yet, but I think the might be delving more into that process soon. Definitely a thing that might happen now. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, oh, this is something I kind of wanted to ask about. Okay, this goes a little bit back to the color theory thing, like kind of what we were talking about there. But uh, how does like drawing everything underwater change it? Like how, how do you have to draw something differently to make it look like it's underwater? One thing I try to do, it does, because sometimes I really struggle. I mean, it was easier when everything, you know, in the first season, everything was blue. It was easier to make everything look underwater. But when I switch to other colors, I had to think, okay, how do I still kind of make it feel like it's underwater? I think the main thing I had to do was, um, depending on what my background color was, I had to have basically the colors on every single object and every character in that background mm -hmm. shift towards blue, whatever the background color was, to kind of give it this washed almost a little bit murky appearance. I see, I see. Interesting. I can totally see that in your art. Thank you. Um, and, and sometimes I sometimes I can break the rule. Sometimes I really like using gradients. Sometimes just like throwing a gradient on something. Uh -huh. It's really a way to just make it look kind of, kind of murky or underwater-esque. Yeah. I think that's part of what makes this series so cool to me. Like, uh, is that that style is just so so neat even in a lot of underwater series i feel like i don't i don't see the art done in such an interesting way you know oh thank you yeah uh, though i can't say i have read that many series that take place underwater so my point of comparison <laughs> isn't great but um what would you say are some challenges with castle swimmer that you might not be have been expecting as far as the creation of the comic specifically goes like as far as the art and writing um, both the art and writing, I think the choice to make it an underwater world, I've learned a lot making the art. I can definitely see the changes in like my first season compared to my second season, because there's a lot of things with the art where I'm like, well, since they're underwater, this should, you know, the hair should be moving this way, or it should always be this way, or like this object would not fall as quickly if it was underwater and kind of like float off to the sides. And like, how does paper work underwater? Like what's the paper going to do if somebody's holding like paper? How do they even have paper? <laughs> <laughs> Something that I still have not explained, but. Most <laughs> <do>. <laughs> That's rough. Um, That's not even something I thought of. And also with the writing that also created challenges in the writing. Cause sometimes I would write a line or somebody talking and be like, kick him out of here. And then I think to myself, well, do they know what the word kick means? They don't really have legs. So 
a words like there's so many words I realize that they can't use because it just would not make sense for them to use. Oh my gosh, that's something I never thought of. There has to be so much in there like that. Either I started writing it. <laughs> Interesting. What about releasing it weekly makes it so you what what like parts of the of the process do you have to change to make it work in a weekly format rather than if it was like a graphic novel? Well, I think that the toughest thing in Webtoon, when you first join Webtoon, they kind of like they emphasize the importance of the cliffhanger at the end of each episode to try to get people, you know, going to the next episode where you wouldn't have to think about these like cutoffs in yeah, each yeah. portion of the story if you're doing like it all in one. And that becomes very challenging because sometimes I'll I'll have an idea for an episode and I'm like, okay, it's gonna these things are gonna happen and right here is like the cliffhanger where it's gonna cut off to the next episode. And then I start writing the episode and I realize that it's twice as long as I intended and I need to like cut it, cut it in half. And I'm like, okay, now I need a new cliffhanger. Where am I going to, what can I make be an exciting cutoff point in the middle of the scene, which is like different than where I intended it to be. So you always have to be on the fly. Think of how you're going to write it, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. So that has to be like a crucial part of the planning now is, uh, getting that cliffhanger in there. Yeah, sometimes I just kind of wing it and just like end it randomly at a very awkward point, but <laughs> most of the time it works out. Okay, okay, interesting. How do you feel about that, like uh, about having to do that? Do you think it interferes with the story or like the creativity of it for you? You know, I think I used to be bothered by it when I first started because I think I had my minds more, because I used to update you know, very slowly, just a few, like, graphic novel-style pages, maybe, like, twice a week or once a week. And it was just, like, I didn't have to worry about cliffhangers. It was just a few pages of this long story. But I do kind of start to appreciate it for what it is. Like, I think it is very... It's kind of part of the charm of the of the medium now, I guess, to have those cliffhangers and have everything in this format. And I've kind of, kind of gotten used to it, and I've found there's a lot of fun things you can do with it. So I think I really enjoy it now. Oh, okay, that's interesting. How long do you think Castle Swimmer will go? How many how many seasons? So I actually plan it to be pretty long. I'm not sure. It's hard to say because it takes me like. You know, the first season took me a, a whole year to make. The second season took two years to make. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going to be in several years. But, I mean, if it, everything sticks with my current plan, it should be, like, up to five or six seasons. I see. If yeah, if Webtoon, like, allows me to keep <laughs> making it, continues to put a roof over my head, then, <laughs> <laughs> then it'll, it'll probably go. That's the plan now, at least. Okay, okay. How do you already know exactly like how it's going to end and how like these seasons way into the future are going to go, how the story is going to progress like that far ahead? I do, but I always come up with better ideas each year. So I do know, but they they always change. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Interesting. That makes sense. A lot of the main things are kind of the same, but I'll come up with like new, better ideas to like improve it. So things kind of naturally shift around. Mm-hmm. And here's something I'm a little bit interested in. Did you know how it would end, like, right as you began? Like, the whole story? 
Yeah, like uh, yeah, the ending of the entirety of Castle Swimmer. I did, but I've I've changed it a little bit since then. I see. Is that like uh, would you say the ending is like an integral part of the story? That like uh, to to making it what it is. I think the most important thing with the ending is what the thing that I have not changed about it is is where the characters are going to be in their journey as opposed to like uh-huh. what is actually going on in the environment. I see. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. Then uh, do you have any plans for another series after Castle Swimmer? I know that's apparently pretty far into the future for you, but I'm still curious. Yeah, maybe. it's. Well, I do have an idea. I want to make a comic about uh, goat people. Oh. Like little, I guess, fawns or satyrs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like um I have a thing for characters that are half people and half animal. <laughs> I can tell, I can tell. <laughs> I really like um goat people, so I think I want to make a comic about them next. That is a great choice. Super underdone, honestly. I don't think I can name another comic about goat people, but I love that idea. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what benefits does Webtoon give you as a creator? Well, they um, they did offer me a job, which was super helpful. I love them for that. <laughs> Money is uh, nice. They also have, just in general, they have a lot of reach. They're very, they're very big right now, and it's just, I think, compared to posting your your work on other platforms, it really does a good job of like getting you out there, as opposed to if you were just posting it on Twitter or Tumblr. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. To, to cycle back just a little bit, how do you feel about the popularity of Castle Swimmer? Like, uh, just how kind of big it's gotten, like, um, especially the older episodes have over, like, hundreds of thousands of likes, even some of them having over 200,000. How do you feel about that popularity? Uh, I feel very, very fortunate. Sometimes I kind of forget that that's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll sit down and think about it, I'm like... Yeah, it's doing it's doing incredibly well. Like it's really, and I also think part of it is that I kind of got with Webtoon at a point where they had less comics and they were really, really growing. So I feel like all the cards kind of aligned in my favor. Uh-huh. So I feel very, very fortunate about that. Okay, okay, interesting. So back to Webtoon. Is there anything you don't like about Webtoon? Anything that you feel like has been? Is there like anything that you wish was better about it? Um. Yes. Well, I already, I already mentioned the the schedule is pretty strict, but I think another thing, I feel like Webtoon is a little bit behind in certain aspects, like especially the the comment section and like the lack of comment moderation. Oh, yeah. It's very silly that, especially in like, you know, the featured comics that all of our comment sections are filled with a bunch of bots or spam comments. Like it's very, like Webtoon is a very, you know, big company. So it surprises me that that issue has not been dealt with yet. Yeah, that's a little bit weird. I didn't actually know that there was a, there were a bunch of like spam bots. Is there just like people constantly going and like advertising things and stuff like that? Yeah. And like, you know, advertising really, you know, sometimes inappropriate things. And there's a lot of like young readers in the comments sometimes, so it's not a great thing. I think I'm I'm pretty sure Webtoon is has in the works like solutions for the the comments and the comment moderation, but mm-hmm. I do wish they would uh, 
make those improvements as soon as they can. Right, right. I totally agree with you there. Another thing is like, uh, especially bigger series, like um, even when a, a series that went kind of far on canvas comes over to originals, like web, like uh, gets a contract with Webtoon and they kind of start over in a way. The the spoilers in the comments. Oh my god. Yeah, worst. that's that's tough. I'm not even sure what Same you can do, that, but that is that's very unfortunate. Yeah, it's not really something Webtoon can do, but just uh something like uh, the comments can get the comments can be rough i feel like that's just another thing that makes like the comments less something the readers will want to go through because like it's the same thing with fast pass there are people who will read like use fast pass to go five episodes like ahead before what is planned and then uh go back to other episodes and like spoil what happens so it, it's just like as a reader you never want to actually go through the comments because you never know what they're going to say you'll never know what you found out and as a as a creator and a reader, it's so frustrating. Yeah, I bet. Like, there are specific episodes where I ask, at the end of the episode, I'm like, readers, fast pass readers, please do not spoil this for anybody reading. I specifically <laughs> ask people to do it, and I had pretty good results with that. But there's always there's always some people that kind of ruin the fun. I bet. How do you feel about Webtoon as opposed to like other platforms like Tapas? Like, wow, did I? How is that how it's pronounced? I feel like that cannot be correct. That sounded really weird. It's a great way to pronounce it. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry, say that one more time. I actually don't know if I pronounce it correctly either. Tapas. I usually just say tapas. That's probably more. That's probably better than tapas. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not sure how to uh, pronounce it. I think I like tapas. I think um, I think just the more competition, the better it's going to be for creators. Because mm-hmm. you know everybody's going to be trying to improve things for the creator experience to make them want to come to their platform more. So I I want more platforms to rise up and like continue competing and like making each other improve. Yeah, yeah. It'll only be good for the readers and the writers. I think that's that's very true. Yeah. How do you feel about systems like the Fast Pass and Daily Pass? Um, I don't have a ton of info on Daily Pass, but um Fast Pass has really changed my life. Like when I first started with Webtoon on on the pay I started with without Fast Pass, I was kind of barely scraping by. And since FastPass has been implemented, I have a comfortable living now. And I like don't oh. have to worry about bills or food or anything. I'm like very comfortable. So it's like, it's been an amazing change for me. <laughs> oh, okay. It's actually kind of, it's kind of cool to hear that FastPass does like support the creators directly. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I remember uh, a long time ago, if you go through like the FAQ for Webtoon and like there's stuff there, um, it never really mentions Oh, okay. I don't know. This might be getting into contract territory. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, let me just ask you. The, tell me if you can't answer this. I 100% understand. How does somebody buying one episode of FastPass, like, uh, benefit you directly? Like, do you get the money from people? Like, more people who buy FastPass for your series, the more money you get? Or is it, like, it all goes, it's all, like, distributed evenly? Like, it doesn't matter if someone uses FastPass on your series more than they use it on another if that makes sense. So we get a per- certain percentage of like all of it. Okay. Okay. So it doesn't, um, 
I don't think it like splits directly per coin per se, but like FastPass in general, we are guaranteed a certain percentage of it. So it's it does help the creator a lot. Okay, okay. And are you guys like incentivized to make your comic like more fast passable? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Well, laughs> the cliffhangers are part of that, I'm sure. Yeah, and they're cliffhangers are kind of part of the whole process in general, but um it is uh it is, you know, recommended just because it benefits you as well to like, you know, try to try to keep up with fast pass and try to keep people coming back. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my season finale, because it was so long and I had to spend extra time on it. It actually, I wasn't able to have it up for fast pass. So I, I'm pretty sure I lost money making that season finale. <laughs> <laughs> actually... I, I, had, I paid assistance to help me finish it. And I, it just was so much extra work. And I'm very <laughs> happy with it, but it does. Um, <laughs> I think it did hurt me in the long run financially. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I think the ending of season two is actually one of the few times I've used the fast pass specifically to get ahead because I wanted to know, like, if I, if one of the few times I've paid for it at least without using just like event coins, because mm-hmm. um, I really wanted to know how it ended. Thank you for the support. <laughs> well, you you are welcome. It, it honestly makes me feel a lot happier to know that that money is definitely going to the creators. That is something that definitely concerned me a little bit, but it's, it makes me very happy to hear that. Yes, it, it definitely helps the creators a lot. That's good. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. And as for Daily Pass, like, what do you know about Daily Pass? Before I ask the question, I suppose. Um, so Daily Pass usually is put on either a comic that kind of launches all in its entirety and it's complete from the get-go or if it's a comic that has been going on webtoon and it's reached its completion then it will be moved to the completed section daily pass is kind of added on to it and i i actually you know since i don't have a completed comic with webtoon i don't know a whole lot about it i just know that it's a it's a little bit similar to FastPass, where you have the option to use coins to read ahead. Yeah, yeah, and otherwise you just get one free episode a day. Mm-hmm. Okay. I probably can't ask you a lot about that, but um, I know that there is... I've, I've only seen this done with one series that is ongoing. Uh, it's Love and Leashes. Like, it has Daily Pass, but it also has Fast Pass, and it's like still an ongoing series. Would you ever want that for Castle Swimmer? How do you feel about that? I'm just kind of, I think that's the first time I've ever seen that. So I kind of like don't know what to make of it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little bit split on it too, honestly. It feels kind of weird. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know how to feel about it, honestly. Like, I'm happy if it's supporting the creator more, I guess. And there's like something kind of nice about going to a series and knowing there will be a new episode every single day to keep you entertained. Something to look forward to. But at the same time, like... It makes me worried. I really hope it's not this way. It doesn't become this way for every series, you know? Yeah, I actually, um, because I think I'll have the option to use Daily Pass on my comic once it's completed, but I kind of want to, I'm not sure where I'll be in the future, but I kind of want to leave it completely free to read every episode in its entirety if I can Mm-hmm. I feel like Daily Pass also benefits shorter series a lot more than like really long series. Yeah. Like, I don't want to read... How how long is Castle Swimmer? Like, if you ended it right now and it became Daily Pass, I would be a lot less motivated to read it. Because, like, 
one yeah. episode every like every day for a 125 episode 134 episode series that sucks <laughs> yeah it's i feel like that's especially since i plan to make it super super long <laughs> right right i think it just depends on each comic in their situation yeah that's fair that's fair would doing that make it so you get more revenue from the series even after it's completed I think so, but I'm actually not sure how it compares to Fast Pass, so I cannot say for sure. Okay, okay, interesting. I might try to get someone else on who has had that experience because I'm very curious about that. Mm-hmm. That is super interesting. I'm very happy you were willing to talk about that because that is uh, those are those are a lot of questions I've had for a very long time about this. <laughs> I'm glad I could answer them to the best yeah. of my ability. For sure. Does Fast Pass like? give you some wiggle room for meeting that deadline or do you still absolutely have to um well i still meet so when you uh launch like a season it is recommended by webtoon and by everyone to be at least have at least like 15 episodes finished Uh uh-huh and and that gives you a buffer and you still kind of want to you're on the same schedule where you're making um one episode a week but naturally just the way the job is and how you know how difficult it is to keep up with deadlines you will naturally kind of eat up that buffer very quickly I like see. much more than you're expecting <laughs> uh-huh so it is recommended to have as many episodes finished ahead of time when you launch as you can just so you don't have to suffer as much <laughs> <laughs> understandable understandable then now that season two is over, are you like currently making episodes like uh, to to use as that buffer? For, bu- buffer? Wow. Okay. Are you currently making episodes to use as that uh, as a buffer for season three? Yes. Well, I'm actually working on some mini episodes right now uh-huh. to be uh, released before they might actually be coming out pretty soon. Like maybe this month, unless it gets pushed back. Um, uh-huh. And this month being uh, March. For the record, because yeah. I don't think this is going to come out in March. Um. <laughs> um, but afterwards, I try to take, um, especially now that I, I got to try to take a little bit more time to prepare, like with the new colors and the new characters and the new concept art to help myself, you know, be prepared for season three before I start making episodes. So I'll also mm-hmm. take a little bit of time for that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Actually, but that's I've actually, a, a um, never launched with the recommended 15 episodes before. I think when I started the series, I launched with like 10 episodes. And then in the middle of season two, I took a break and launched seven episodes. And it's just, it, it's never enough. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. That, that sounds very stressful, but I, I can see why that buffer would be helpful. Something I don't really know about the process of making anything. How does concept art affect things? Like, what is what is the purpose of making concept art for you, especially as an independent creator? Um, it's pretty vital to me because I've, I have this idea of what a character is going to look like. But then when I start, like, sketching it out and sketching out the shape and stuff, it helps me figure out if that that idea is actually going to work and where I can simplify it because um, it's very important that every character is 
simplified to where I can repeatedly draw them every week and actually finish them. If they're too detailed, then that they're going to be a nightmare to draw. And I'll probably just like kill them off because I'm so sick of drawing them. <laughs> um, so it's, for me, it's very important to, you know, kind of draw everything out, conceptualize everything and just, uh, it really helps me with the, the planning process and making sure everybody's designs look good to me are relatively easy to draw and that they all look natural with the other characters in the in the colors and the backgrounds mm-hmm. okay interesting interesting <laughs> i never really thought about that but i could see why it'd be why it'd be so helpful yeah okay how do you feel about the community of like castle swimmer the how do you feel about the fandom have you had any, had any issues with it or anything like that um, I think as far as fandoms go, I have a pretty, I've had a very good experience with them. And I think most of them are very, very supportive and cool. And they do a lot of cool, creative things. I get to see a lot of fan art that I'm very fortunate to be able to see. And a lot of my readers ask me, like, uh, they'll ask me, like, questions on Tumblr and stuff. And they're they're very funny. They make me laugh a lot. super nice super nice anything sometimes you see fandoms that get kind of crazy and negative i think sometimes that just happens with fandoms that get really big but i think as far as a fandom goes i think my readers are really cool bunch of people yeah for sure how do you feel uh what about like the uh, the creator community is there like um is there a lot of community and like Ah, for lack of a better word, kinship between like uh, the different creators on Webtoon. Yeah, well, I know. I uh, I can't say a ton about the Canvas community because I haven't. I wasn't. I didn't spend a ton of time on Canvas, but um, just with fellow Webtoon creators in general, and with the other featured creators, we kind of look out for each other very well, and we'll kind of help each other out when needed. Because we're all um, we're all contractors, so you kind of have to look out for yourself when you're working with contracts and big companies. So okay. it's been a really good. I've had a lot of important things. Um, I've had yeah, the creators have helped me out with a lot. So they've really they've really saved my butt a few times. <laughs> okay, that's really nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Especially being like a creative working under a contract, you have to be super careful about that stuff. It sounds like Webtoon's pretty good with that sort of thing, but uh, having a community there is very important. Mm -hmm. Do you plan to continue working with Webtoon once you're done with Castle Swimmer? Um, I think so. I guess it kind of depends on how contracts and things look in the future, because I guess things could always change. But uh, I've really enjoyed working with them so far so i i could see myself staying with them for a long time okay okay then uh okay here's the big question would you recommend other uh artists or uh writers who work with webtoon do you think it's a good idea yes i would say to if you're a comic creator just post your work like everywhere like anywhere you can think to post it just like spread it around as far as it can go. I think that's mm-hmm. just the thing to do. Completely agree. Completely agree. 
you have to really use your platforms effectively. You never know which one will work the best for you. Yeah. Do you have any regrets with Castle Swimmer? Anything you wish you hadn't done that like is making things more difficult for you now? Um, I wouldn't say I have any regrets. I think I kind of see the whole comic as like a learning process for me. Like I feel like I've grown a lot since the first season and I think as it continues, I'm going to continue to to grow and kind of improve as an artist and a storyteller. So I do, you know, I, I think this is common for a lot of creators where they'll, they'll look at their older art and like, and be like, Oh, I really want to really want to change it. Like that old, old stuff doesn't look as good. I'd like to like to polish it up, but I think it is, I think it adds a little bit of charm that you can see where my art has improved and how it's grown. Okay. Okay. Super cool. Could not agree more. I honestly think that's one thing that I really like about how long web comics on webtoons tend to be. It's it's really cool to see an art style like just progressively get better and better. There are so many examples I can think of where it's just so cool to see how it changes and just becomes so much nicer. Yeah, I love seeing that too in other comics. Yeah, okay. Uh I think this is, might be a Yeah, I think this is a good place to start wrapping this up. So oh, cool. Uh, did you have anything else you want to talk about in general? Um, not that I can think of unless you have any more questions for me. No, I don't think I do. Uh, I think we kind of covered everything I was I was curious about, everything I wanted to ask. So awesome. I do have one last question. This is a question I ask at the end of every interview to, to wrap things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would... Okay. This can be for... What what is one piece of advice you have for creators out there? It can be specifically for like comic creators or it can be for creative people in general, whatever you want. Oh, I um I think my best piece of advice that I always give is to uh be as self-indulgent and as selfish as you can when you make your your creative work and uh-huh. don't get too hung up on what you think is going to be a good story or what's going to impress the masses just do the kind of story that you want to make deep in your soul brilliant that is super good advice i don't think i've actually heard anybody say that before but that is really true yeah <laughs> yeah all right thank you so much for coming on wendy it was wonderful to have you yes thank you so much for uh finally doing this with me even though we pushed it off like six times <laughs> <laughs> yeah what did we Oh my god, this was like, uh, this was planned in 2021. <laughs> yeah, it's been in, in the works for a while, so I, <laughs> I appreciate you keeping me along. <laughs> of course, of course. It, it feels, it's awesome to finally finally do it. It feels like both of us have had to push it back so many times. Um, <laughs> just makes it all the more rewarding now that it's finally happened. It was really cool to talk to you. I love Webtoon so much. Alright, well, thank you so much for coming on. I will see you guys, all you listeners, in the next episode. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, also, if you're a Webtoon creator who is signed on with Webtoon and you're interested in coming on Create Stuff, hit me up because I really want to interview more of you guys, by the way. Okay, now goodbye. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for watching the 17th episode of the Create Stuff podcast. Man, you guys have no idea how long it took us for, to finally get to that. Like seriously, when me and Wendy say that we've had to push this back several times, both of us, both of us have had to do that. Like just scheduling issues, stuff with 
Wendy needing to do a lot more work than she thought that she would uh, for her webcomic. And of course, on my end, it's mostly scheduling issues on my end because I, I suck. But um, <laughs> you, you guys have no idea how long this has been in the works and how long I've been wanting to do this. I seriously love Castle Swimmer. It was so cool to talk to her. But um, yeah. Well, what do I do here? Oh yeah, stuff, things that are cool. I've mentioned to find us a live podcast before, but I finally started really listening to it. Oh my gosh, let me tell you guys, it gets so good. I am so hooked right now. I'm on like episode seven. So, so good. Seriously, go check it out. Even if you're not a fan of the SCP Wiki, which it is based off of, go check it out. It's so good. It's really, really good. Second thing, was up MKJ has recently released their cover of en Encanto? Encanto, not Encanto. They really re recently released their cover of We Don't Talk About Bruno. Do you guys have any idea how many times we've had to re-record this? I'm not doing it again. I'm gonna keep going. They have released their cover of We Don't Talk About Bruno and I like it way more than the original. It's so, so good. Go check it out. That's the second thing. And third, I would be remiss not to mention SCP Sideshow. It is this show that's airing on Roku on Otherworlds TV. It's a channel you can go on Roku, you can look it up. It'll, it airs from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sundays. I am a part of the team for it, and it is really, really cool. My content's gonna be on there at some point in the future, but um, it's, it's seriously so neat. Check it out. Even if you're not a fan of the SCP Wiki, that show seeks to help you learn more about it and explain what it is and get you into it. It's, it's so cool. It shows off so many cool things from the community in this amazing two hour time slot. I, I've, I really love it. It's, it's just such a neat thing. This is the first SCP TV show to ever exist. And there are only more plans to make it bigger and better. So go check it out. Give it your love. Soon enough, there'll be a YouTube channel where they'll be like uploaded. I'm gonna actually, that, that YouTube channel does exist. I will link to it in the description, but um, go follow that. Go subscribe to that rather uh, to see when they finally start releasing episodes on there too so you can watch them without having to be on roku i like the the time which uh, also it is 8 a.m to 10 a.m local time so wherever you're whatever it's 8 a.m for you it's going to be showing at that time no it's pretty early but trust me it's worth it i promise <laughs> um yeah thank you all so much for watching i appreciate it a lot next episode is going next episode uh sbl there's an almost episode eight is it eight i think it's eight That'll be featuring the Jack Council, that'll be Jack Rabbit, who returns, Jack Dragon X, who's also returning, and then Jack Mockery and Jackal-related. It That was such a fun episode, you guys have no idea. There were some shenanigans that ensued, and also, like, literally some of the best voice acting I've ever heard in my life on the spot from Jack Mockery. Like, good god, it was, it was crazy. But, um, yeah, you guys will enjoy that a lot. Uh, oh, hey, go watch my April Fool's video. Um, the one I released on April 1st, episode... See, as, as to be honest, an almost episode 8 featuring uh, Dr. Gears and Freddie Mercury. It was funny. I put work into that. I think it was really funny. It's probably one of the best jokes I've ever made. Uh, yeah. Bye-bye! <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. I appreciate you all a lot. Bye-bye, guys. Oh, subscribe, like, like, and comment, and rate, or whatever. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.